is a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. In 1854, President Franklin Pierce appointed Pennsylvania Attorney Andrew Reeder as governor of the newly formed territory because of his support for the Democratic Party. Reeder was born in 1807 in Easton, Pennsylvania. He was educated in New Jersey, read law in a Pennsylvania law office, and was admitted to the bar there in 1828. Governor Reeder established his first executive office in Leavenworth, Kansas Territory, on October 7th of 1854. In November 1854, he conducted an election for a congressional delegate, and in March 1855, he authorized a territorial census as a preliminary step for the election of a legislature. Kansas was fertile territory for land speculators, and while serving as governor, Reeder also pursued his own business interests by purchasing shares in numerous town companies or associations, Leavenworth, Marysville, Montgomery, Easton, and Pawnee. Reader's financial interest in the town of Pawnee led to an interesting footnote in territorial Kansas history and to the end of his political career here. He designated the undeveloped town site near Fort Riley as the meeting place for the first legislature on July 2, 1855. An 1855 list that Reader compiled of all the town shares he held included the following notes about Pawnee. Pawnee, 22 shares of which the certificates are in my own name two shares of which I have the certificates, and paid $300 to Mr. Card for Hudson, two shares in Sherwood's name which he bought of Ogden, and has possession of the certificates, but bought for me, and I paid the money through Clough, three shares which Wilson bought for me, and holds the certificates, and on which I have paid him, five shares which Hutter bought for me, and holds the certificates. These are now in my possession. After only four days, over the governor's veto, the legislators adjourned to reconvene at the Shawnee Mission. There they adopted Missouri's harsh slave code as their own, and petitioned President Franklin Pierce for Reeder's removal. President Pierce was already moving in that direction. When Reeder refused an appointment to another position, the president formally dismissed him from the office of territorial governor in late July 1855, alleging that he had engaged in illegal land speculation. While he lived in Kansas, Reeder gradually changed his politics to become a supporter of the Free State Movement. In 1856, he joined the newly formed Republican Party, and his involvement in the extra-legal Topeka government led to his indictment for high treason by a pro-slavery grand jury in May. Reeder disguised himself as a woodchopper and ignominiously fled the territory. After he left, he continued his association with Free State supporters and frequently reported to his friends in the territory about what was happening in Washington, D.C. relating to Kansas. This letter, written to Charles Robinson on February 16, 1856, illustrates readers' distrust of President Pierce. Though we cannot be with you, we are constantly talking and thinking of you, and watching for news of you, and endeavoring to do all that we can to aid you. I received you and Colonel Lane and Dietzler's note, and my anxieties and sympathies were of course aroused, as anything known to come from me would be very unfavorably received by the administration. I sought out some good friends of mine who I knew had the ear of the President and could exercise influence with him, and impress on them a conviction that an invasion and bloodshed would certainly happen unless the President interfered, and urge them to go to Pierce, not in my name at all and insist that he prevent it. 
They did so, I know. Whether they were instrumental in bringing out the proclamation, I cannot tell. That document is just the low, contemptible, trickstering affair which we might expect from Pierce, and is, like the special message, a slander on the Free State Party. Still, as it promises protection, it will be to that extent at least acceptable if its promises are kept. It may very well be that if it had not been for the message of Governor Chase and that of Governor Clark, the proclamation would never have been issued. I saw a few days ago, before the proclamation was issued, a bill prepared in the Ohio legislature, which was first submitted to my inspection, appropriating $200 to pay immigrants to go armed to Kansas with a provision that each man was to have a rifle and revolver and to sign articles to remain in the territory as a settler and stay at least two years. Possibly the proclamation may check it. I hope not. I think you will have a good immigration next summer. The proclamation that Reader mentions commanded all persons engaged in unlawful combinations against the constituted authority of the Territory of Kansas or of the United States to disperse and retire peaceably to their respective abodes. His letter also offers extensive advice to Robinson about efforts to organize a free state government in the Territory. Reader cautions him to limit their activities to those that are preparations for admission to the Union and to not do anything that would give President Pierce an excuse to respond with force. Reader was also concerned about his financial interests in Kansas. On August 11, 1856, he wrote the following to John Halderman, who had served as his secretary while he was governor. As you are probably aware, the sheriff's posse at the sacking of Lawrence broke open my trunk and stole the contents. The clothing is probably by this time worn out and the other property beyond all recovery. I shall not trouble myself about it. There were, however, some private papers of no use to anyone but myself. Messrs. Howard and Sherman say that gentleman who appeared to have control of the papers stated to them that my private papers could be had at any time on application. I cannot tell who has them, but I think P.T. Abel can tell. I wish to engage your services first to get my papers, and afterward to do some business for me. There was a package containing certificates of stock in Leavenworth, in Tecumseh, Lecompton, Lawrence, Easton, Pawnee, etc. Some obligations for money, leases, contracts, receipts, etc. There was also a package of papers relating to the contracts for the call lands, copies from records at Washington, and original letters relating to the same subject. Indeed, I cannot now recollect all the papers. There were also a few private letters besides, upon other subjects, a letter from Thomas Sherwood, one from Amos Lawrence, etc. There was also a brief of cases and extracts from debates, etc. It was fastened by tape at the top and covered some six or eight sheets. I had prepared it in reference to the contest for my seat and although that is now over, I would still like to have it very much. Will you undertake to get for me all of my papers you can, and advise me of what you have? When you have a private opportunity to send them on to me, do so. In January 1857, Reader wrote Halderman about the economic prospects in northeast Kansas, including plans to build a railroad. As I said in my former letter, I am very reluctant to sell any lots unless we are driven to it by necessity in order to save them. My losses by Kansas have been so heavy that it is necessary to make some of them up. I expect to return to Kansas in the spring, 
which you can mention or not as you think best. As to the town, I shall do my part toward its improvement, and will as soon as possible improve some of my lots there to the general benefit of the place. The mention of this may be of use. I am also in the confidence of some of the men who will probably control the Pacific Road when it is built, and as Leavenworth is the true point from which it should strike for the Kansas Valley, I can probably at some day render the town an essential service. I have no interest in Quindaro, which is intended as the rival of Leavenworth, and will seek none if I am fairly dealt with in the latter. If not, I must help build up Quindaro to make up my losses in Leavenworth, and as I am an active member of our National Kansas Committee located at Chicago, which has a great deal to do with immigration and has sent over 1,000 immigrants into the territory since July, my efforts could be made to tell. I throw out these ideas not for you, but for others if you think best to use them. Do the best you can for me as your client, and you will find me grateful. Andrew Reeder continued to be involved in what was happening in Kansas Territory, politically and economically. Though he only lived there a short time, he represented the typical Kansas settler in many ways. Some came to Kansas to acquire the land that was opened for settlement. Others speculated in the prospects for the development of towns, and others were ardent opponents to slavery or the expansion of that institution in the West. While Reeder supported the Free State cause, his political interests were intertwined with his personal hopes for financial gain. Most settlers represented a combination of these motivations. After leaving Kansas, he returned to Pennsylvania and resumed his law practice. Andrew Reeder died on July 5, 1864. This has been A Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of Territorial Kansas Online, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Bleeding Kansas era. The URL for the website is www.territorialkansasonline.org. Thank you.